Well, we do have an agenda and a schedule. Uh, Peggy, you're right about that. And uh, it's, this is a great day for me because we honor the, the graduating uh, high school seniors and um, they're a special group. And every year they, they come up. And you guys, if you're a high school senior, come on up. Every year I look at this group on the stage and I think, we're never gonna be able to replace them. And I'm right about that, and yet there's always, uh, there's always another group coming up. And it's just really a joy and an honor to uh, work with these students. Um, and uh, while we're recognizing our high school graduates this morning, uh, we do have college graduates uh, with us this morning, and I'd, I'd be remiss to try and list them because I'd, I'd miss somebody and then I'd be in trouble. But is, is, uh, I know Melissa Singleton, I don't know if Melissa Singleton's with us. I don't see, they're usually sitting right there. Melissa Singleton's probably our oldest uh, college graduate this year, but she completed a degree this year, and uh, we were super excited to see that. Sarah's passing out some Bibles. Um, we can do that. Um, she's pa- passing out these Bibles it's called the Apologetic Study Bible, and uh, it's just a, a Bible for each graduate for them to to take and have for their own, and it just gives some some good insights as far as uh, um, tough questions that come up, especially if they're headed to a college campus. Uh, A lot of times our faith is questioned there, and uh, there's some answers, some additional comments and and write-ups in there, so there's a a Bible for each graduate. But what I want to do is we're going to start here with you, Jordan, and um, I'm just going to ask each graduate to say their name. Uh, what school you graduated from. I think we've got three schools represented. Well, two schools and homeschool, and I think there's a couple different homeschools. And then what your plans are for this year coming up. Jordan Stubblefield, Union County, and the University of Georgia. Uh, Dylan Williams, Union County, and I'm just going to go in the workforce for right now. Awesome. Madeline Savage from Matinary Christian Academy, and I plan to go to Covenant College. Also, Mountaineer Christian Academy's valedictorian. Sarah Cook, Union County. I'm going to the University of North Georgia for nursing. Jonathan Moore, Union County. I'm going to North Georgia Tech. Caleb Sanders, graduated from homeschool. Yes! And I'm pursuing gunsmithing. Awesome. Shay Tipton, I graduated from Mountain Area Christian Academy, and I'll be going to the University of Georgia for, I don't know. I'm Natasha Raines. I graduated from Mountain Area Christian Academy, and I'm going on the world race this year. Wow. Mountain Area Christian Academy salutatorian. I'm Adeline Rogers. I'm going to the University of Georgia, and I graduated from Union County. <laughs> Union County High School's salutatorian. Graham Kelly, I was homeschooled, and I'm going to North Georgia Tech. I'm Tim Stone. I graduated from Mountain Area Christian Academy, and I'll be attending University of Tennessee at Chattanooga to study business. 
Matthew Patrick from Union County High School, and I'm going to pursue computer science at Kennesaw State next year. Uh, I'm Kendall Kolb, uh, graduate from Union County High School. Um, I'm going to University of North Georgia to finish my major in psychology. I'm Caroline Sanders, and I graduated from homeschool, and I'm going to Anderson University to study nursing. I'm Haley Allen, I graduated from Union County, and I'm going to Georgia State. I'm Karen Busby, I graduated from Union County, and I'll be attending Linear Tech for dental hygiene. Why don't we have, if there's any college graduates, you graduated college this year, why don't you guys stand, and then we're going to, I'll see if I can pick any cares flakes over here. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Young, young Mr. Pope. Luke Pope uh, on this side. I know the, the Busby twins, Courtney and Crystal, uh, I don't think they're here, but, the, but they, they graduated this year as well, and I mentioned Melissa Singleton. Let's give one more round of applause for our graduates. So I get to address the graduates one last time uh, this morning, and if you're not a graduate, well, you can just listen in. Uh, but I'm gonna, I wanted to tell you a little bit about, uh, about these guys. Uh, they are part of what we're calling Generation Z. So you hear a lot about millennials. These guys are Generation Z, and the oldest of the Generation Z are probably in college right now. Uh, but a little bit about these guys. They've never had to rewind a VCR. Think about that. They never had the joy of looking for the toy in the cereal box. I don't do that anymore. Uh, they never had to disconnect from the internet so they could make a phone call. <laughs> they're also a, a post 9-11 generation, which means they're, they're, they grew up with their parents with a lot more concern about safety and where they were and what they were doing. They didn't roam the streets like generations of, of past. Uh, think about this. For, this, for these graduates, having an African-American president was just a fact of life, not a historic milestone. YouTube is their favorite website. They don't remember much of life before social media. It's just always been a part of what they've done. And Snapchat and Instagram are their favorite social media platforms. So parents, if you're on Facebook, that ship has sailed. Uh, they say that uh, these guys, a, a teenager these days, receives over 3,000 texts a month. So it's no surprise that they would rather text each other than call each other. And that's so much so if you get a phone call from a teenager, they'll actually explain to you why they're calling instead of texting. But they're also a creative generation. They are resourceful. They like to figure things out on their own, probably why they like YouTube so much. Uh, and they, they, the majority of them say they want to have a job that will make the world a better place. And that's a, that's a great goal to have. And that's some of the characteristics of these graduates this morning. And if, you, um, if you're a graduate, we really are proud of you. And it's been a privilege to, 
uh, be your youth pastor um, over these last few years. So graduates, you've, you've worked hard, you've been diligent, you completed your high school education, you've got that diploma. Uh, most of you have worked jobs, participated in some sort of extracurricular activity. Um, we've got students that were part of the STEM program, uh, all kinds of sports um, teams that you guys have been on, um, extra, other extracurriculars like theater and chorus, mock trial. Uh, you have volunteered uh, in, in organizations in the community, in your home church, or here at the House of Prayer. And for, for parents and grandparents out there, I know it's not like it was in the old days, and I get that, but let me say, these students, they have accomplished so much more than anybody I graduated with as far as, as, far as sports, extracurriculars, uh, the things that were expected of us, these guys are doing it to an all new level. Most of them um, are, have, are graduating with college credits under their belt as well. Um, and so they're, they're, they're an exceptional group. And you're as ready as you can be for what comes next, right? Because high school's done and whatever you did, it's done, all right? And the next step is, is waiting for you. And that's just the accomplishments of these wet-behind-the-ears 18-year-olds. And I could speak to the rest of the congregation of the things that, that you've accomplished over the years, raising families, having careers as doctors and lawyers and engineers and nurses and first responders and uh, running your own companies and all the things that we've done, we could, but we're not talking about you guys. We're talking about the graduates today. But what's, what's next? That's the big question that the graduates have been trying to answer uh, as they've approached this graduation date. So if you're not a graduate, because these guys have already answered this question or done the best that they can to answer this question, if you're not a graduate, look at the person beside you and say, what's next for you? I, I say that because if, we're, if, you're just, if you're just sitting still or if I'm just sitting still, then we're getting stagnant, right? The Christian life is about growth, not just sitting where we are. And I want to talk about what's next, um, which is the big question on the graduates' minds, but what's next for each one of us? And particularly, what does God have for us next? And so as we get to look uh, at our next step, whether you're a graduate or long graduated, we're going to look at, a, at uh, someone from 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17. You can turn to your Bibles if you've got it with you this morning. We're going to look at a man who was trained well, who was responsible. He excelled in the things that he set his mind to. He worked hard and he could be trusted. He was ready for the next best, next best thing. And of course, I'm talking about young David, uh, who somehow found the fast track to success and became the king of Israel. And we want to look this morning at how he did that. So uh, we're going to be in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17. We don't have time to read the whole account. Uh, so we're going to skip around a little bit and I'll, I'll fill in the blanks for us. So in chapter 16, King Saul has already um, failed to obey the Lord, and the Lord's told him, look, you're not going to keep the kingship that's going to go to someone else. And so the Lord went to Samuel, the prophet, and he said, I've got, a, I've got one of the sons of Jesse. He's going to be anointed king. I want you to go to Bethlehem and anoint him. And Samuel said, well, I can't do that because Saul will have me killed. And uh, the Lord said, don't worry about it. You're going to go to Bethlehem, and you're going to uh, prepare a sacrifice, and you're going to invite Jesse and his sons, and that's how it's going to happen. 
So if we pick up in verse 6 of chapter 16, um, Jesse came to the feast. He brought his sons, with, his sons with him. And it says, And when they came, Jesse and his sons, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the, noise, the Lord's anointed is before him. So I don't, the Bible doesn't specify, but I'm thinking Eliab is, uh, is strong, maybe tall. He's well-established. He's capable. He's competent. He's the oldest son. He's probably responsible. Samuel looked at him and said, yeah, this is, this is probably, this has got to be him. Uh, verse 7 says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, probably tall, big, strong guy, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And that's the key, I think that's the key statement for this morning's message. The Lord looks on the heart. And Samuel went and he looked, and I think Samuel's probably a lot like us. We want someone who's responsible, who's strong, who's capable, who's able, maybe who's been proven. And we look for that type of person that, yeah, you're, you're the one. I want you on my side. I want you on my team. I want you working with me. But this, this scripture says, the Lord doesn't look as man looks. Man looks on the outward appearance. The Lord looks on his heart. And that's going to be key as we go uh, through this passage this morning. I think it's the key to understanding who David was. So all seven of, of, uh, of Jesse's sons get brought before Samuel. And, and they start with the oldest and they go down through the, the youngest. And each time... The Lord says, nope, this isn't the one that I've chosen to Samuel. So Samuel's maybe kind of questioning what he's doing because he thought the Lord had told him, go and I'm gonna, we're going to anoint one of Jesse's sons. And Jesse brought all of his sons and the Lord said, no, there's not anyone else. But Samuel trusted in the Lord. So Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And Jesse said, no, there remains one, yet the youngest, but he's, he's keeping the sheep. And this is a common thread through this passage. David's with the sheep. And so I don't know, I don't know about, too much about David in, at this stage of his life, but Samuel says, I want to I meet this guy. Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we won't sit down until he comes here. So Jesse sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And I told first service, I've often wondered about this passage. What, what, does, that, what does that mean? Um, he was he was. He was ruddy. Was it, were his cheeks red? Maybe he had red hair. Um, we know that he's the youngest son, beautiful eyes, and was handsome. And it's almost like he bring the youngest one in, and everyone says, oh, isn't he cute? <laughs> I think David was a little older than that, uh, because David's responsible with the sheep. And we'll see here in a little bit. He's, he's actually um, quite accomplished at this stage of the game. But for some reason, Jesse didn't even think it was worth bringing him to the feast, Samuel said, bring Jesse, I want you and your sons at the feast. Jesse didn't even bring David. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. So right away, right off the start when we're introduced to David, we we see right away that God saw something in David that his father didn't see. And and God said, this is is the one, this is the one that we're, we're going to anoint as king. And I, I don't know about Samuel, but I think Jesse and, and the other sons, they're thinking to themselves, yeah, but we, he just keeps the sheep. Like, seriously, David? Our David? But God looks at the heart. God doesn't look at what man looks at. 
So let's see what else we learn about David in this passage. Um, as, we, as you move through chapter 16, we learn that Saul was tormented by his spirit, and he would just be, he'd be in these moods. And so some of his attendants said to Saul, you really need to see if we could get someone, maybe someone could play some music, play the lyre or something, and maybe just kind of soothe you when you get angry like that. And so in, uh, in, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 17, Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. Don't you just love the king? He can just say what he wants and it should just happen like that, right? Uh, so one of the young men answered, I've seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. That's some accolades on David right there. He's, got, he's, he's not just a, a, a beautiful-eyed, handsome little shepherd boy. He's, he's, he's accomplished some things, a man of valor. We'll see why here in a minute. A man of war. The um, Bible doesn't really say why that's included. Maybe he was well-trained at least. We'll see here shortly that he's not really on the front lines. He's prudent in speech. He's a man of good presence. Why is this guy out with the sheep? Like if I'm, if I'm an employer, this is the kind of guy that I'm looking for. I don't want him out with the sheep. I want him representing me. And like I said, for some reason... What, what Jesse saw wasn't the same thing that God saw. And, and here, so here comes David. He's, he's a, in my opinion, and from what the description of this verse, it appears to me he's a well-accomplished young man. Like, he's not, just, he's not just the shepherd boy. He's done some things. And it makes me think of our graduates. If you were at the Union County graduation on Friday night, when the graduating class moved, you could hear them because they had all these medals around their necks for the, not for sports and athletic accomplishments, but for their academic accomplishments. And, and, uh, and the, the cords, not the ribbons, cords, tassels that you got, I mean, they were everywhere. And the honors, it was, it was amazing to see. And, and that's the kind of students that we have. They're not just high school graduates. They've done some things along the way. So David uh, enters Saul's service, and he becomes Saul's armor bearer, which kind of is like Saul's personal attendant. And we'll see that he's not really on the front lines, but he's, he's kind of back and forth, um, and we'll get there. And, and I guess for... Um, I'm jumping ahead of myself. This last statement, I think, is the key description of David. And the Lord is with him. Without all those other things, I mean, David had accomplished some things, but the, I think the distinguishing factor with David is that the Lord is with him. The next verse uh, kind of explains why. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me David your son who is with the sheep. Why would Saul call out the shepherd? Why wouldn't he pick someone out? Someone a little more? Because the Lord was with David and God's hand was on David's life. And I think that we find, I know it's true in my life and, and for, for, for the older ones that maybe have lived a little more, and high school students, the same thing for you. The Lord is with us when we are obedient to him. When we're off doing our own thing, his blessing's not on us. But when we say, yes, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, what's the next step for me? Okay, I'll do it. That's when the Lord is with us and when his hand of blessing's upon us. So... Uh, we've got David. He's accomplished some things. He is he's Saul's armor bearer. And we get into chapter 17, and we see that there's, there's actually a war going on. And the Philistines are camped on one mountain, and the Israelites are camped on the other mountain. 
And the Philistines have this champion named Goliath. And champion would, or, uh, Goliath would come out every morning and he would challenge the armies of Israel. And uh, you, everyone knows the description of Goliath. He was nine and a half feet tall. But think about this. I think I'm a pretty tall guy. I don't look up to, I look up to some, but not a ton of people. If I were to reach up, I would have to jump to touch Goliath's neck. Not his head. I'd have to jump for his neck. Goliath was massive. He wore a, um, a mail of bronze that weighed 125 pounds. He, the size of his spear, I'd like to see that spear. The head of the spear was of bronze, weighed 15 pounds. I mean, how far could you throw a, a rock if it was 15 pounds? And this guy's got a spear. So he would come out every morning and he would challenge uh, the army of Israel. A massive man. And so this is where we, we find David again, and uh, David with his older brothers in, ch- in uh, chapter 17, verse 13, the three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shema. All these guys have been passed over as far as being anointed for king. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. He just can't seem to shake the sheep, right? So he's going up to the battle, and he's there for a little while. Not that there's much of a battle at this point. It's just Goliath challenging. And then he's got to go back to the sheep. What did, what did Jesus say? Those who are... I actually need your help because I didn't have this in my notes. Those who are faithful and little will be given much, right? And so David's being tested there with the sheep. Sorry, I just drew a blank. David's being tested there with the sheep, and we find that he's being faithful with the responsibility that his father's given him. So we're not sure of David's age, but he's not, he's not ready to be at the battle full time. He's still having to take responsibility at home with the sheep. He's, when he is up there, he's not even actually on the front lines. He's Saul's attendant, armor bearer. He's playing the music. But one day, David came from his father's taking care of the sheep, and his father said to him, hey, David, we need to send some, pl- some, some supplies up to the front. So David loaded them up. He got them up to the front lines. He, he put it with the uh, men that took care of the supplies, and he headed out to see what was going on. And as he approached the, the, the battle lines, must have been morning because Goliath was coming out and he was coming out to, to challenge the army again. And he would shout at the ranks of Israel um, and he would say, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself. Let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, we'll be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you'll be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said this, and I think this is what really got under David's skin. I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And David knows. Israel, that's God's people. And when Goliath said, I defy the armies of Israel, and, and to David, he was defying the Lord God, his Lord God. And David, this, this didn't... David didn't like that, so he started talking. Why isn't anybody fighting with him? What, what did King Saul say if we would go and fight him? And his brothers just got angry with him. And it reminds me of, of Joseph and his brothers, sort of that tension and that animosity and that maybe some favoritism. And the brothers were just angry with David, but he persisted, and eventually he ends up in front of King Saul. 
And uh, King Saul said, look, you're just, you're a youth. And, this, and Goliath, he's been a soldier since his youth. You can't do anything. And, but David persisted. And he said this in verse 33. Um, Saul said to David, you can't, you're not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him. You're about a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a... He must have been talking about that morning. <laughs> your, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and uh, took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Notice, Goliath said, I defy the armies of Israel. David said, he has defied the armies of the living God. So David was accomplished, he was well-trained, he was resourceful, he was willing to do what it takes, he had the enthusiasm like our graduates do today. He thought, this Philistine's going to go down just like the lion and the bear. He was eager to make a difference. So how did David go from just being a responsible shepherd boy, well-trained, eager, to being the great King David? Um, what, what do I have for you next? Verse 37. David said, the, and again, where's, da, where's David's confidence? Where's his trust? The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. I read that and I wonder if David had not said, the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, would Saul have let him go? Or would, have Saul just, would, have, would Saul have seen the shepherd boy, just like Jesse did? When, was, it, was it when David said, the Lord delivered me and before and he'll do it again? A choir sings that, that song, um, do it again. Or do we sing that? It might be a congregational song. He's done it before, he'll do it again. Do we have that trust and confidence in our God this morning? Graduates, do you guys have that confidence in God that he's been faithful to you up till this point and he'll be faithful to you in the future? David's confidence was in God, not in his accomplishments to date. So there's a discussion of whether David will wear the armor or not. He tried it on. He said, no, I can't do this. And we know he went down to the creek with his sling. He picked up the five smooth stones and he went out to meet Goliath. And Goliath pretty much just laughs at him um, and, and Goliath said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. And he said, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. So again, how accomplished was David in terms of battle? How old was he? How tall was he? How strong was he? We're not completely sure, but we know that Goliath wasn't impressed by him. And this is what David said to him. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Man, if, if we let the Lord fight our battles. You know, so, so often we look at our, the things that we've been able to accomplish to date, and we think, 
well, we've done this much. Surely I could do that too. And we don't even consider the Lord. And graduates, you've done a great job and you've chosen colleges. You've chosen some of you careers and employment. And you've done, got this far today, but it's the Lord that's going to continue to carry you through. So David, uh, David continues. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Okay, notice he didn't say, I killed the bear, I killed the lion, and now I'm taking out you. He said, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the field of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Boy, David had a plan, and he wasn't planning to gain a few more uh, feathers in the cap or notches in the belt on his resume for king. He was looking to see that God would be known all through the earth. Boy, if that was our goal every morning when we woke up, I'm guilty. That's not always my goal when I get up in the morning. William Carey said this, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Well, I wonder if he was reading this passage when he when he came up with that. David wasn't trying to prove his ability. He had put his faith and his trust in God, and he knew that God was big and God could be trusted. So that, to me, that's really our question for this morning. Who are, we gonna, who are we putting our trust and our faith in? What are we putting our trust and our faith in? Our abilities, our good grades, graduates, your accolades, your accomplishments, uh, maybe for parents and grandparents, man, we've saved this much money. I've been successful in this career. We've raised kids, and now we're doing the grandkids even better. We've saved, we've planned, we're ready. Or are we saying, God, thank you for taking us this far, and we're trusting in you for the future. I think we need to ask God a little more often, God, what do you have? what's next for me? We've got so many opportunities to minister Uh, students, you'll have so many opportunities in front of you. And you can always just look for the things that that you want to do and that you like to do and that you've prepared for, but you could also say, God, what would you have me to do? And I know you guys are doing that, but my encouragement is that you keep doing that. And of course, we know the end of the story. David put that stone in his sling and he slung it around and that stone sunk into the forehead of the giant. I love how it says it sunk in. He was good with that sling. And the Israelites had the victory. But the victory that day was not Saul's. It wasn't the Israelites. It wasn't David's. The victory belonged to the Lord. And David, well, we don't know who wrote Psalm 33. Maybe it was David. Uh, A lot of scholars think that probably it was David, but we're not sure. But in Psalm 33, verse 16, uh, this is what's written. The king is not saved by his great army, a warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Now there's no doubt that a king would organize his army and create a battle plan, right? The soldiers would train in condition. They'd make sure in, in David's case that their spears were ready, their swords were sharp, their, their shields were strong. They make sure the horses were rested and well fed. But above all else, they had their hope and trust in the Lord. Look at the the next verse. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his steadfast love. 
that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. I think David learned early on that any victory he had was because of the Lord. It wasn't because of something he did, something that he prepared for, something that he planned for. Even even though he did prepare and plan and step out in faith to execute, he recognized that any success was through and from the Lord. And that's got to be us today. Whether, like I said, you're a graduate or on the, on the other end of life. Lord, what do you have for me today? We're, we're too quick to make plans and ask for a quick blessing on top of it. But we need to say, God, what would you have for me today? What would you have for me this year? So, graduates, you're getting ready to take that next step. And you are ready. You are prepared You've done everything you can do to get to this point. Your minds are sharp. You've met the requirements. You've got the diploma. You've made your plans. But have you asked God, God, what do you have for me next? Parents, grandparents, and anyone else here this morning, are we asking God, what do you have for me next? I think what William Carey said was great. Expect great things from God. You pray, we pray to God, God, You are awesome, you're mighty, you're great, we trust in you, right? We got to take that step out in faith. We need to attempt great things for God. And I think of of the house of prayer, uh, a little history lesson for you graduates, and I wish I had the better history of the house of prayer, but just a few things. Think about, uh, we know where the old sanctuary is, just down the hallway there. Think about the step of faith it was to build this sanctuary in 1991, Pastor Jerry, 91, 92, That was a step of faith that we took as a church. And then in 2005, when we took that step of faith to build the Family Life Center, well, that was a step of faith. But the church prayed and said, God, are you in it? And think of the the ministry that's gone on in that building and in this this room here of this building. I think of Canal Lake Bible Camp, you know, eight or 10 years ago when the camp board said, you know what, We, we need to offer this camp for free. Well, that was a step of faith. And there was a lot of prayer over that. God, is this what you would have us to do? And he said, do it. And the camp board said, okay, we'll do it. And the Lord's just continued to bless the camp since then. We've got the Hope Center across the street. What do you guys think of the progress out there this week? That's pretty good, isn't it? Well, that's something we've been praying about. Our ministry of food and clothing and spiritual needs that we've been ministering to the community and we said lord we're just cramped on space is this what you would have us to do and we've stepped out in faith and said we're going to build this building we're not going to take out any loans for it we're going to build it as the lord provides and he is providing and we look forward to the great things he can do as we continue that ministry over there so graduates some questions you can ask yourself as you take that next step as you as you guys testified this morning a lot of you Uh, Some of you will be here in Blairsville still. Some of you are are leaving Blairsville and going to other places. Ask God, what church do you want me to be a part of? You know, college students, you should be a part of a church. You know, if it's not your home church where you go to church here in Blairsville, and you're in in Atlanta or Kennesaw or Dahlonega or Athens, find a church to be a part of. Ask God, what kind of campus ministry can I connect with? Lots of good ministries on campus that you can be a part of. What about this? Lord, who are the people that I can influence? 
God puts people in every one of our lives, not just the students. Of course, they're going to find a new roommate, some of them here in the fall. But we all have people that we have the ability to influence. God, who are the people that I can serve? Right? Life's not all about me. It's not all about you. So I'm not going to stand here today and say, look, you need to be like David. We need to go out and be who God created us to be. But we've got to put our trust in the same God that David did. Because the God that rescued David and the Israelites from the Philistines is the same God that's going to take us through whatever, whatever we're facing today. And there were plenty of people that stood up and said, yeah, I'm facing something today. And we've got a God, the God that provided for David and made a way for the Israelites. We've got him right here in our hearts if you've accepted him as your Savior. And he will do for David. He will do for us what he did for David. So put your trust in the same God that David did. And let's live our lives in such a way that all of Blairsville, all of your college campus will know that there's a God in heaven and that he can make a difference in their life because he's made a difference in ours. Can we do that? I'm going to pray and we're going to close this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you're a God that can can be trusted. We're thankful that you're a God that still works miracles today. Uh, you were at work in, in, on behalf of David and the people of Israel, and you're even more at work on behalf of your people today. And Lord, uh, we're just so thankful that uh, you would choose to send your son to die on the cross for our sins, that we might have a relationship with you. Uh, Lord, because of that relationship, we can uh, boldly step out and accomplish great things when we put our faith and our trust in you. Uh, Lord, I just pray that each one of us today would consider the things that you have for us and that we would be willing to do the things that you put in front of us. And so, Lord, I ask that you would challenge each heart heart here this morning to expect great things from you and to attempt great things for you because you are more than enough to provide for anything that we face. And we thank you and praise your name for it this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.